0: Welcome to the podcast for Green Hill Church. You can find out more information about Green Hill Church and how to take your next step with Jesus online at greenhillchurch.com. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. We're going to continue in our series forward. It's uh, a a moment for us in January to to lay out some vision and as we move forward as a church to make sure we continue to be aligned according to the mission and will of God Uh, as a church. uh, We want to be a church that is making disciples. We know that that's the mandate of scripture, that what God has called us to is to make disciples of every nation uh, teaching them, baptizing them. We, we want to reach people for Jesus Christ. We want to disciple them up in the maturation of, of understanding what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And then we uh, continue to live that out as a church. And last week, um, I'm going to put a graphic, graphic up on the screen. Last week we talked about this idea that uh, we want every generation, we want to be a people that are following after Jesus. We want to be a people who follow Jesus. Is very clear, sometimes we misunderstand what the idea of being a Christian is all about. Yes, God uh, forgives us, yes we get to heaven, but He has called us into a relationship of pursuing Him, of following after Him. We deny self, take up our cross, and as scripture says, follow Jesus. And you'll notice um, on that graphic, if you can put it up there, uh, the next circle there is this idea that we grow together. Uh, that we as we follow Jesus that's a personal relationship with Jesus we we want to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus but then we're not supposed to live in isolation in that it is a personal relationship but it is not indeed meant to be private now let me say that again our relationship with Jesus is personal but it was not meant to just be private we are called to be in community and so this idea of growing we want to grow together we need one another we'll look at that this morning in our text But then as we grow together, as God forms within us his heart and we begin to shape our lives uh, in community together for his purpose and his kingdom in our own life, then we all of a sudden begin to see differently. We begin to see as Jesus sees with compassion and care and concern that there are people in this world who are hurting and in need. They're like sheep without a shepherd, scripture says. And so it compels us to live sent, to go out of these walls into our workplace, into our neighborhoods, into the uttermost parts of the world for the sake of the gospel. And you'll notice all of these are interconnected to one another. You can't do one without the other. If we're truly following Jesus, then we're truly going to be growing in his image together. And if we're truly growing, then we're going to be living sent. It's going to come out of us. It's just going to be a natural part of what we do. And as we go out, we're gonna find people, and you probably know some, right, who aren't following Jesus. And as we engage them and live out our gospel lives of the salvation that God has done in us and He's shaped us, then all of a sudden, God's gonna use you, use me, use us to bring people who don't know Jesus into a relationship with Jesus and then help them understand what it means to follow Jesus. And then as they do, we're going to do it together and we're going to grow together and then we're going to go reach more people as we live sent. And it's just going to continue to expand. And this is the Great Commission. Church, don't miss this. You are here in this seat today because those disciples, when Jesus said, go and make disciples, they said, okay. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here today. You understand that. There are generations upon generations of people who walked in obedience to what the Lord has done in their life, and they grew together in community with the church, and then the church went and reached people who then reached you, and the reason you're here today is because of that, and we want to continue that as a church. We want to continue to move forward as a church. This morning, I want to focus in on that statement, grow together. As I said, our personal relationship with Jesus, it describes the intimacy with Jesus and the relationship we have with him. It is indeed personal. But while our faith is indeed personal, it is definitely not private. God has called us into community togetherness, to the church this is why we have the church. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. I want to begin in verse 11. We're going to read through verse 16. It'll be on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles, I uh, hope open them up and let's read this together. It says this And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. For which purpose? Why did he give those leaders? Why did he give those giftedness giftings? He did it verse twelve to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of God. If you'll notice, as we read through this, the word grow, mature, maturity, growth. It, it's repeated. It's a theme that is throughout this scripture. And again, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's trying to help them understand this idea of the unity of the church and how the church is to function and what the purpose behind it is. And so when we say that we need to be a church that is growing together, what do we mean by that? Yes, it means that we're growing together in relationship with one another. It means we're growing in relationship with Jesus. But but specifically, what are we talking about when we say that? What is Paul referring to when he talks about this maturity? Well, there's a theological term to help us understand it. It's the word sanctification. Sanctification. Now, there's a theological term to describe what we talked about last week, and it was justification. Justification. If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to enter into a relationship with Him. We enter into a relationship with Him through justification. That's a judicial term where God declares the sinner not guilty. You are sinners in need of a Savior. When you place faith in Jesus and the work that He did on the cross, dying for you, rising from the dead, conquering sin, when you place faith in Him as your substitute, the Scripture says you are justified, you are declared not guilty. Praise the Lord for that. And because of that, because you are not guilty, you can then be in relationship with him, you can be in fellowship with him, and you can follow after him. Well, Scripture also talks about this idea of sanctification. Scripture says over in Hebrew, or 1 Thessalonians, excuse me, verse 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 23. You want to mark that down or turn to it later, or you can flip real quick. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So what does he say that God does? He sanctifies us. Then it goes on, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what this is telling us is that God does a work within us. Listen, God is about forgiveness, and that's what justification is about. But God does not stop there. There's a lot of people who think that when they become a Christian, it's all about, hey, I'm forgiven, I get into heaven, and then I just live my life. Well, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says you are justified, yes, you are saved, yes, but now the God of peace is sanctifying you. In other words, he's doing a work, and what does it say? The soul, the spirit, and the body, that you would be complete, that you would be mature, that you would be transformed. And so there's this inner transformation that happens at the very depth of the core of who we are that then moves to the uttermost parts of our life. So in other words, we become holy, we become like Jesus, sanctified in all aspects of our life. This is the work of God in the believer. This is what the scripture is talking about when it says that we grow in our faith, that we're sanctified, that we're transformed, that we're different. And so as we think about this and we read in Ephesians chapter 4, there's this connectedness between our sanctification, our growth, and the church. And so what I want to draw our attention to this morning is first this, that God designed the church to become the greenhouse for spiritual growth. God designed the church, the local church, to be the greenhouse for spiritual growth. Now, I don't grow things, okay? I plant things and they die, all right? That's just, that's just the way God wired me. I don't know. Something about the curse of my skills when it comes to growing things. But from what I understand, a greenhouse is designed to help things grow better. It puts it in an environment to where it can grow most effectively, efficiently, all the different things. And so God has created the church. He's designed the church to be the place for us to grow spiritually. Can you grow spiritually outside of the church? Well, Yes, God has given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his word, and there's realities in which we can do that. But I believe, and the scripture will show us here, that God has given the church specifically for our maturation, for our growth. What does that look like? How do we know that? Well, verse 11, what does it say? It says, he, God, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So in other words, God has given specific giftedness, specific roles of people to function within the church for a specific purpose. What does it say? Verse 12, to do something, to equip the saints, all right, for what? For the work of ministry, right? So according to the scripture here, whose role is it to do ministry? What does it say? It's the saints, it's the believers, it's the church, it's everyone, it's the whole. We are all in this together to do the work of ministry. For what purpose? What does he say for the work of ministry? For building up the body of Christ, for the maturation, for the growing, for the sanctification of the church. This is how God's designed it to function. This is how he's designed it to work. He's given leadership specifically To equip people to specifically do the work of ministry. Where is it all supposed to happen? In the church. Church, we need the church. We need one another. This is what God's called us to be about. He says we are to do ministry to one another. What does that mean? What is this idea of ministry? What's this Christian service? In the context of this, it's caring for one another, teaching one another, coming alongside one another, maturing them, growing them in their faith. Now, let's just be honest. Can, can we just take a moment here? In, in, in our culture, over time, there's become this division between the clergy and the laity. The clergy are the paid professionals. The ones who get up here on stage, the ones that you pay to come and lead the church to do ministry, church. Can I just teach you? Can I can I guide us? Can I equip us to understand that the scripture says that the role of the clergy, if you will, is not necessarily to do all the ministry, but rather is to come along the saints and equip the saints so that they are equipped and prepared to do what the scripture says is what the work of the ministry. Listen, church, if, if if the kingdom of God and the Great Commission rests solely on the paid professionals, it's not going to happen. God's a little bit smarter than that in His design. You see, don't miss this. Every single believer, according to Scripture, has the Holy Spirit come and dwell them and empower them. Every believer, the Scripture says, has been gifted with spiritual gifts for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the work of ministry. Every single Christian has been called to follow God and to go and to, to make disciples of all nations. Every single believer is called to be a part of this, but yet we've shifted and we've said, no, it's not my job. I'm, I, I come to church for the paid professionals, the clergy, to, to teach me and to shepherd me, now I can go about living my life how I desire. But according to Scripture, the church ministers to one another. Listen, we need one another. God has designed the church to be the place, the the environment for growth to happen. It's the formula for which he's done it. Through empowering, through equipping, and then through us all collectively doing the work of ministry. That means every single one of us, no matter which age we are, if we have... Jesus Christ in our life, God has called us to minister. That means from the youngest child that is a believer in Christ to the teenager, to the young adult, to the, to the oldest one, we all have a, a role to play in ministering and caring in the spiritual building up of one another. But I think God has also given us the church. He's created the church because this reality is true. Sin grows in darkness. Sin grows in isolation. Have you ever noticed that in your life when you find yourself distant from Christian community, when you find yourself in isolation from Christian community, that's when sin begins to flourish in our lives? Listen to this from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It says this, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. In other words, when we find ourselves drifting from biblical Christian community, the church, we find ourselves, as we become disconnected, more prone to the temptation that comes along our way. And as we fall prey to that temptation, and we find ourselves living in some sin, what does it do within us? It causes us not to go back into community, but to withdraw further from community and isolation. And as we do that, we find ourselves falling more and more prey to the temptation of sin, and we find ourselves on this desperate cycle of isolation and darkness and sin. And what the Scripture is calling us to is togetherness, to community, to one another, to sharpening one another, to growing together, in maturation and holding one another accountable along the way over in John first uh, John chapter 1 John writes and he says this he says that we ought to be a people who walk in the light as he is in the light and he goes on to say if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light then it says that we have fellowship with one another and i think that's a fellowship that's between us and god and one another and as we do that, the blood of Christ um, forget, or cleanses us from, from our sin is what the scripture says there. And so what this idea is, is that as we walk in community, not just friends, but in biblical community where we are in the light of God's word and his truth, along with other brothers and sisters in Christ, it allows the light to shine in us so that we don't walk in darkness. This is why we need community. Community. And the, the words there from 1 John, is, is comes from two Latin words, sine and cara, which means without wax. And essentially what that is referring to is this. Back in the Roman time period, the sculptors, right, would make sculptures. And there would be some who weren't very good at what they did in their craft. And there would be mistakes and there would be uh, divots in it. It wasn't smooth. It wasn't how it was supposed to be. And so they would take wax to fill in the errors, fill in the mistakes, fill in the, the, the flaws in the sculpture. It would have wax. And so the best of the best sculptors would label theirs and make sure it was very clear that it was known that their sculpture was sine cara without wax. Church, let me, let me point, point this home for us. We are a people full of flaws. And in our flawness, if that's a word, we like to take wax and cover it up, particularly when we come to church. We want to look good. We want to look like we've got it together. We want to look mature. And if we're so far gone that we can't even cover it with wax, what do we do? We begin to drift away. We begin to say, I'm not welcome. I don't feel like I fit in there because I'm not perfect. I'm not, you see it? This is not the community that God's called us to. He's called us to walk in the light. You see, what happens with those sculptures is that as the sun, as the light gets on it and it heats it up, that wax begins to melt. It begins to expose the flaws in the sculpture. This is what the light does for us. This is what the Word of God does for us. It begins to expose all the things that we've waxed over to present ourselves in such a way. And praise be to God that it does that, because this is the beauty of what community is supposed to be in the church. We ought to be able to come to church without the wax. Let's just be honest, we are all flawed people, are we not? We need one another. We need to be able to walk in and say, look, you know what? The, the, the word of God is removing the wax. Here's who I really am. Here are my struggles. Here are my flaws. Here's the hurts. Here's the pains. Here's all the things that I'm walking through. I'm not perfect. And guess what? Neither are you. We're in this together. We need one another. And we, according to the scripture, have been equipped so that we can come alongside. And then now we can what? We can minister to one another as we walk in the light together flaws exposed, and allow the healing power of Jesus Christ and his grace and his forgiveness to heal the wounds and the brokenness and the shame and the guilt that we're all carrying together, but yet we feel in this culture, in this world, that we can't expose that. So we cover it up with wax. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not the community that I've called us to. That's not the Bible. That's not what we need to be. If we're going to be a people that grow together, then we're going to remove the wax. We're going to come in and we're going to say, look, I don't have it figured out. I don't have it together. I'm hurting in this. I'm walking through this. I'm struggling with this. We pray for me in this? And we say, yes, we're in this together. And we grow together in the holiness of what God's called us to. See, Jesus himself said, those who are well have no need for a physician but those who are sick i came not to call the righteous but the sinners this church must be a place for sinners and if it's not then none of us are welcome here none of us we grow together see we need the church to come alongside one another to care for one another listen to hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 such an encouraging verse and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Don't you love that word, stir up? Usually when you hear the word stir up, we're stirring up trouble, aren't we? Like, have we not as a church, and I'm talking about church just in general, are we known more for the trouble that we stir up or are we known for stirring up love and good works and good deeds to one another? This is what God's called us to. It's what he's called us to be about. So then he goes on, the writer in Hebrews says, so what do we do? Not neglect to meet together. We become committed to one another, to gathering together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. In others, we are desperately in need of Jesus as we continue on in this life. And there are some who are neglecting to get together, and it's going to hurt them and it's going to cost them. But let's not be that. Let's come together recognizing our desperate need for Jesus and one another. And so what does he say back in Ephesians chapter Four, so we equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body until what? We all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and we mature into manhood and womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What are we aiming at? We're aiming at maturity and the fullness of Christ. Listen, church, have you arrived at the full measure of Jesus Christ? I know I haven't. And that brings me to my second point, Number two is this, God designed the believer to grow up in spiritual maturity. Have you ever been told to just grow up? No one wants to be told to grow up, do they? Because that implies that you haven't grown up yet. But church, can we just be honest with ourselves this morning? We're all a work in progress, needing to grow up. Notice verse 14 in Ephesians chapter 4. Why, Why are we aiming at the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer what be children so that we no longer remain children in other words god did not design the christian life to remain stagnant that you need to be moving forward that you need to be growing maturing in your christ likeness listen in the real world in the physical social world if you will we understand that if there's an adult human being acting like a baby that there's an issue if you saw a grown man drinking out of a baby bottle, you would say, there's a concern here. It's the same reality in our spiritual journey. We need to be growing up into maturity in our faith. Over in 1 John chapter 2, John refers to different people. He says that there are children. And he, he writes this in chapter 2. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Verse 13, I'm writing to you, fathers. Because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And then he says again, I write to you children, because you know the Father. And so he references children, fathers, young men, and then children again. Now, I think the reality is that some of what Paul, or excuse me, John is writing to is that there's different ages of people in the church. And that's good. We want every generation. That's what we focus on. However, there's also a spiritual understanding of what he's talking about. He mentions children twice in there, and the Greek word he uses in both instances are two different words. The first one he's referring to are all people. We are all children. In other words, if you are a, if you are a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus, the Scripture says you are a son or a daughter of Christ. John refers to the believers that he's talking to all throughout 1 John. Beloved children, beloved children, beloved children. He's saying we're all in this together. And how does he describe them in that verse, as I read? That they are children who have been forgiven. At the very base understanding of our salvation is that we are now in a relationship with Jesus, a son or daughter of Jesus, and we have been forgiven. That's it. This is who we all are. This is what we have in common. But then he goes on to describe the fathers who have known the Father. There's a sense in which there's maturation. There's a sense in which this person has been walking with Jesus for a long time. That person has allowed the Word of God to invade their life, and they have transformed. They are no longer the same. They can look back at some of the immaturity of their faith and how much they've grown in that. And they not are just living for themselves, but as a father, they are taking care of other children, and they're bringing alongside people with them in the spiritual journey. And then John talks about the young men, and how does he describe them? He says that they are people, uh, young men, who have experienced temptation, but they're overcoming that temptation. What what does that look like as we continue in our growth, in our spiritual journey is, man, we know that there's a battle spiritually and we fight against it. And there's times when we fall, but we get back up and we continue on. There's times that we fall, we get back up, and we continue on. But each time we're getting better and better at overcoming the sin that so easily entangles us. We're growing in that maturity. Then he refers to children again, and it's a different word for children. And this time he's talking about immature ones, little ones. Church, can I just be honest with you? My heart's desire is that our church is filled with all types of people, all maturity levels. We need the most mature spiritual people that have been walking with the Lord for years and years and are faithful followers of Jesus Christ, and we need those in our church who are just now entering into their faith and have no clue what they don't know. They're like, the Bible, what's that? I'm supposed to do what? I'm supposed to live how? This, this impact what? And we need to be a people who are anywhere in between, who are all progressing, and we're all coming alongside one another together for the, for the maturation, for the growth of each other. This is the picture of the church. This is the picture of what we're called to be. We're all called to grow up, regardless of where we are on the journey, in faith with Him. So if you go back to Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 14, it tells us why this matters so that we may no longer be children who are what tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Listen, church, let's just be honest, right? We know you don't just leave children by themselves on their own to survive. They, they can't do it. They'll get pulled away. They'll get stuck. It they could just be, it'd be catastrophic. Spiritually, this is what Paul's teaching us is to say that little children in the faith, they are easily tossed about. They're carried off by any doctrine that appeases the mind, will, or emotion. They're easily swayed by intellectual jargon and philosophies. They're in the danger of being deceived by the crafty schemes of the evil one and the temptations. And so we can't remain children because we will easily get pulled away. So we need one another to come along and mature us in this. Now I'm convinced One of the issues that we face as a church is a misunderstanding of what maturity is. See, we've defined maturity as things that we do. Well, I read the Bible, and I pray, and I go to Bible study, and I go to church. Therefore, I am mature. I don't think that's what Scripture says. I think those are things that we do that lead us down a path of maturity. What is maturity? What does it look like? Over in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, it says this, and we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Romans 8, 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Colossians 1, 28, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. what." That we may present everyone mature in Christ. What's the common theme in all of these? That maturity is when our lives begin to be transformed into the very image of Jesus Christ. It's not as much about what we do, but who we are. We are people who look like Jesus Who think like Jesus, who act like Jesus, who care like Jesus, who love like Jesus, who sacrifice like Jesus, who give like Jesus, who pursue the lost like Jesus, who sit with sinners like Jesus, who you go on and on and on, who looks like Jesus. This is what it means for us to grow up, to mature. The question that we've got to ask ourselves is, do we long for this? Do we hunger for this? Do we desire this in our own lives? And are we growing into that image? As you take account of your own life and you look at your life, do you look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday? Do you look more like Jesus today than you did last year, five years from now? There ought to be this growth happening in your life. Number three, we learn this. God designed the growth to flourish in a truth-filled, loving community. Now, that's very similar to point number one, but this, let me let me focus in. Paul does this for us in verse 15. Notice what he says. He says, rather, so in other words, instead of remaining children, we grow up, rather, what do we do? We speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Verse 14. Or, excuse me, verse fifteen, speaking the truth and love. So how do we grow up? We be in a we're part of a community that's speaking truth and love to one another. This is what the design of the church is. How do we grow up? We speak the truth and love. Now this is not happening in a vacuum where Paul's teaching this. The context of how this happens is in the local church. Where is it that you speak truth to Love to one another in the community of the church. It's the truth of God's word. We need the word of God. This is how we walk in the light. It's the word of God. We need to build one another up up with the word and the truth of God. And we do it out of a love and a care and concern for one another. In verse 16, notice the connectedness that is a part of this. The whole body joined together, held together by every joint with which it is equipped. There's a connectedness. Why does that matter? Because can we just be honest you're not going to speak truth and love to people you're not connected with you're just not and by the way you're not going to receive truth and love from people you're not connected with this is why we have to grow together because as we grow together we will have a concern and a care and we will know the needs of one another to be able to come alongside and speak these words of truth to one another this is why church membership matters This is why belonging matters. This is why our life groups and the design of our life groups matter. This is the place in which we connect. Listen, the the method and the mode of us being able to equip the saints for the work of ministry happens through the mechanism of life groups. It's one thing for us to come in this room and we can gather and we can wear name tags, but you can isolate in this room. Can I just be honest with you? It's very easy to walk in this room, listen to a sermon, sing sing some songs, and then walk right out. No one can know your life, no one can know the struggles, no one can know the hurt, no one can know the joys, no one can know the sorrow. no one can know all those things. You can continue to live your life. But when you walk into a smaller group and you begin to have conversation and discussion, that's when community forms. That's when relationships form. That's when you start speaking truth to one another in love. That's when, when there's things that happen in your life or your family's life, that's when the body of Christ comes along and starts to minister alongside you. Listen, church, I, I've been on staff since I was 21. For 20-something, 21 years, 20 years now, I've been on a church staff. Previous to that, my dad was a pastor, so we were part of a church just be, I, I've never been able to just go pick a church. I go to church where I get employed or my dad was employed. I'll never forget when... Several years ago, we were walking through some pretty significant health things in in my family, our family. And all of a sudden, there's a gentleman in our church who just came to the church. And he pulled me aside and he said, how are you doing? I said, oh, I can't answer that. Like, internally, I'm like, I'm I'm on staff. I'm paid. I I can't show weakness. I can't show vulnerability. I can't show struggle. He said, don't give me that. How are you doing? And he began to just minister to me and pray with me and build me up and speak truth to me and love. We had families come to our house and say, we're going to take care of the laundry. You guys don't worry about it. You all have enough to be thinking about. We had people bringing us meals. We had all these things beginning to happen, and all of a sudden I began to come to face to face with the reality of this is the church. This is the church. This is the church ministering and caring for one another. This is how it happens. And church, can we just say, if there's not relationship and connectiveness and togetherness, then that can't happen. This is why we're wearing name tags. This is why we tell you, get involved in a life group. This is why we try to build community with one another, because it's the bridge that allows ministry to happen to one another. This is who God's called us to be. Let me finish with just some practical application points, and then we'll be done. How do we grow together? first one is this. We need to encourage one another with God's word. When was the last time you came to church with the intent of an asking, Lord, give me an opportunity to just speak encouragement into someone's life through your word. In the hallway, in the classroom, in the parking lot, phone call during the week. When was the last time you've encouraged someone with the word of God? Number two, walk with one another through hard times. You've walked through hard times before. We all have. It's terrible when you have to do it alone, isn't it? So walk with people. If you know that they're hurting, come alongside them. Be intentional in it. But church, this also means that if you're walking through something hard, then you need to be vulnerable enough and trusting enough with the community around you of the church to say, I'm walking through this. Will somebody come and walk with me? Sometimes we keep it to ourselves too much, and it hurts us. Number three is this, care for one another with tangible actions. Bring them a meal, write them a card, take the kids, let them have a date night. Whatever it is, be tangible with your actions. Number four, pray for one another in any circumstance. My heart's desire is that we would be a people who are praying for one another constantly in our homes, but when we gather, I would love to just see little pockets of people all across this building praying for one another. As they're having a conversation and someone's sharing a vulnerable thing or something that's happened in their life, instead of just saying, hey, I'll be praying for you, let's just stop. Let's just pray right then and there for it. Let's let's use this time in our worship gathering to, to care for one another and pray for one another. And then the last one is this. Confess to one another for mutual accountability. This is where it gets hard, isn't it? We need one another we aren't perfect let's remove the wax let's let's be willing and vulnerable in our in our safe communities with with each other let's share the struggles that we're working on because i can promise you you're not the only one walking through it we all need the grace of god in our life the oldest known trees on record are the giant sequoias you've seen pictures of them maybe some of you've been in front of them they're massive We know that they can grow some as much as 27 stories high, as wide as 35 feet in diameter. They're massive. What's interesting, though, if you know this, the root system of these trees is not very deep at all. For the size of the trees, the root system is very, very shallow. So how is it that they're able to grow so large? Well, simple. They grow together. They're never in isolation. They're always together. And those roots, while they're not deep, they are intertwined and interconnected with one another, locked together so that they can stand firm. This is the picture of the church, isn't it? But let me just remind you, it gets better. We're not Sequoias. We're sons and daughters of the Most High King. So watch this. Our roots, as we listen, there are a lot of community organizations and opportunities for you to grow roots with one another the power of the church is that our roots as they grow with one another they are growing with the roots of jesus christ himself the vine the true vine and he is the source of life the giver of life and it will stand firm to the very end this is who we're linked with we grow together would you bow your heads with me this morning as we finish this morning i i i feel compelled felt compelled all week and weeks leading up to this Rather than us just talking about this, what does this look like on display? I've asked a few folks to, to be um, available to pray this morning. i asked some ladies and some some men from our staff and our team and leaders to just be up here in the front. So if you're in the room, come on up to the front row. We've invited you to be a part of this. What I wanna do in this time of invitation, let's just be honest, a lot of times we, come into this room and we carry burdens and then we just walk right out the scripture says that we are to grow together and part of growing together is that we lean on one another particularly for prayer so if I invited these ladies these men to just be down front this morning I don't know what you're carrying it could be anything from health issues to job issues to family issues to sin issues to you name it we're all walking through it. I invite you this morning, come invite someone to pray with you. Don't do it alone. There's something powerful about being united together in this. These folks, we're gonna be down front. You respond as the spirit leads. Maybe, I challenged the earlier group this, maybe you know someone's carrying a burden. They're walking through something. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking in your life to just get up during this time of response and just go grab them and say, I, I want you to know I'm with you. I'm going to pray with you. We're in this together. You can pray right there at that seat. Or you can come down front to the altar, whatever you need to do. But you respond as the Lord leads. Father, I pray that you would move as only you can. God, that you would accomplish all that you want to accomplish as we grow together in our Christ-likeness. Form within us a maturity that can only be described as these people Truly love and follow Jesus. Let's stand together. Let's respond as the Spirit leads. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Green Hill Church. For more information about Green Hill Church, go to greenhillchurch.com. Thanks for listening.